Uh, Christmas has many traditions, doesn't it? Um, one of the things you can probably think of of modern times is classic Santa Claus, big flying fat man in the sky, clambering up and down chimneys. Um, I didn't actually know this, but apparently that came from a cartoon in the 19th century uh, based on a poem for some kids. Uh, it was popularised then by the Coca-Cola company in the 1930s. Another tradition that probably comes to mind would be food, wouldn't it? I mean, uh, how many of us has got a leg of ham? Is any legs of ham? Yep. Is there any turkey? No, no turkey. No turkey with cranberry sauce. Maybe the tradition is too much food, over-catering. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe you have a stack of prawns as well. You can thank the Italians for that one. The Christmas tree, I found, was an interesting one, because apparently that one, Martin Luther allegedly saw stars through a tree on a wintry night, and instead of bringing his kids out to witness the beauty of this tree, he decided, no, I'm going to chop it down, bring it inside, and put candles around it. I don't know if that's the origin of a Christmas tree, but it makes a good story anyway. See, there's no real shortage when it comes to traditions at Christmas time, is there? But there's, there's one tradition, I think, that probably trumps all traditions. And it's the one that we're going to take a closer look at today. And that's the tradition of gift giving. Back in our passage, we read about three different gifts that were given to baby Jesus um, by traveling, a group of travelling magi. Now, as an aside, uh, this was also interesting, I found, that in this story, it's often read that the Magi uh, were, well, came pretty well soon after Jesus' birth. But um, in fact, it's, it's possible that it could have been up to two years after Jesus was born. But getting back to the Magi, who were they? Well, we don't really know, kind of know. We, um, we find that the Magi have their origins in magicians, hence Magi magicians. But it's probably not quite the way we think of magicians. In fact, they were probably fairly educated, and hence the term wise, as we call them today. Potentially, they could have studied astronomy and probably had no trouble following the star to try and find the baby Jesus. So we interpret Magi as wise men. It's thought they could have been uh, Persian dignitaries or even royal advisers. Uh, they were almost definitely court priests. They would have uh, been sent from the local governor or another high level of authority. These people were ambassadors. They weren't just three randoms that rocked up. And each of them, interestingly, probably would have brought their own personnel, anything from servants, bodyguards, advisors, family members, and even hiring local assistants when they arrived in Israel. I mean, try, imagine trying to cater for that party. They had been sent on a mission, and you can kind of liken it nowadays to um, world leaders. A new world leader comes in and you ring them, you uh, congratulate them, uh, you make a phone call to them. See, back when Prime Minister Albanese was elected, uh, the first few days uh, of his time was spent taking calls from presidents, prime ministers and chancellors from all around the world congratulating him uh, on his new leadership position. Not to mention all the conversations with the ambassadors of those countries as well. All of this would have been done to build diplomatic relationships with the new Albanese government. In some ways, this is sort of similar to what the wise men are doing here. They didn't just randomly rock up to a toddler's birthday party. 
uh, with some very, very expensive gifts because they felt like it. In fact, no, they were diplomats on their way with gifts of friendship from another king to a king. The question then becomes why? Why would a king send important diplomats with expensive gifts to a baby in a manger in a stable? What did the wise men see in Jesus? To try and answer that question, let's first dive into these gifts. We might be able to glean some more information about what they are and what they mean. First gift is gold. It's pretty simple to understand. Um, It's valuable. If you want to honour someone or show respect to someone in a gift, gold's your answer. It was an easy choice. It was essentially the closest definition to valuable. The wise men brought it to show their respect and honour to Jesus, even as an acknowledgement of the kingship of Jesus. We'll get to the next one. We'll park that one and we'll move on to frankincense, the second gift. Now, it's not really something that we use much of nowadays. Uh, You may find it as an essential oil, but it's probably even then a bit niche to try and find. I personally have no reason to have used it or needed it, but I've been told it uh, smells uh, very fragrant uh, and a spicy perfume. I'm also led to believe it has earthy, woody and sweet and citrusy notes. It's an interesting choice of gift, so why frankincense? Well, here's two interesting things we know about frankincense. It was a major trade good. Similar to gold, it had value, but it was easy and portable, easy to trade with. The other important thing is that the wise men knew um, the gifts they were bringing to a Jew. They knew who they were bringing it to. See, today when world leaders trade gifts, they give something that's often of, that is iconic to the country. The wise men here, in this case, therefore gave a gift that they knew the Jews wanted lots of. See, the Jews used this in religious rituals in the Jewish temple. For the Jews, it was only to be burnt as an offering for God. And actually, it was specified that they were to never use it for personal use. So that's gold and frankincense. What about the third one? Well, it's myrrh. Myrrh is a resin. Uh, was often also used as a perfume. It also has a few other uh, uses, like incense and medicine. Uh, needless to say, it also doesn't get used much today. And apparently there's a bit of a discrepancy on what it smells like. Lynn, what does myrrh smell like? <laughs> How would you describe it? Fragrant? Strong fragrance? Pungent? Maybe a bit too pungent? <laughs> would, would do well at covering up a dead body? Fair enough. Interestingly, because that's what they did use it for. Um, we also, as, as we uh, find out, um, it was used in a purification ritual for the Persians uh, in anointing Persian royalty. Um, but uh, some other interesting uses, as we said before, medicinally it was used Uh, Specifically, actually, as an antiseptic or as a painkiller. It was used to clean and treat wounds, and as we talked about before, uh, preserving bodies. Particularly the Egyptians would use it in preserving bodies. So, we've, we've learned a little bit about these gifts, but why do we care? 
Why should we care about these gifts? What is their, their significance? And specifically, is there any significance to us about these gifts? Well, we see Jesus is valuable. The wise men saw this, and we saw that through the gift of gold. It was used, uh, the gift uh, to be given to God, um, sorry, there was also frankincense, and we see that Jesus was of religious significance. I think we can interpret that with the frankincense, specifically too with the rituals of the Jews and not being able to use it for personal use, only for burnt offerings. It was a gift to be given to God, and here it is being given to Jesus. In fact, it equates him to not just king, but as God. Even more than this, Jesus wasn't just re- relevant to them there. Who Jesus is and what he did makes him relevant to us today. The Bible talks about Jesus being king of not just a parcel of land or a country, but of everything. The Bible also talks about Jesus not being king of just back then either, but throughout all eternity. Do you have this view? See, any other king or world leader or ruler is only a ruler of a specific parcel of land and rarely more than their lifetime. The Bible talks about Jesus being bigger than that. And in fact, I actually encourage you to read the rest of the Gospel of Matthew to find out how. And then we get onto the topic of myrrh. As I said before, the Egyptians used myrrh as a method of preservation. We see myrrh being used twice on Jesus. The first time we see or one of the times, we see it's to preserve his body. See, at the end of John's Gospel, we read that his body was wrapped in a 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes. And this was to help preserve his body after his death on the cross to try and stop the smell of decay. The second time we see myrrh being used on Jesus was whilst he was hanging there on the cross. He was offered this as a drink, mixed Uh, with wine and myrrh. It was offered as a painkiller to try and lessen the suffering he was going through. See, interestingly, these gifts foreshadowed something more. The three gifts that baby Jesus was given, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, were gifts that spoke to what Jesus did in his life. Jesus the King, Jesus the God, And Jesus, the man who died on the cross, who was buried and to take the sins of all those who believe in him. See, baby Jesus was actually all three gifts. That is who we remember at Christmas every year. That is the best gift anyone could have ever. And it is this that we should be remembering all year. See, if Jesus is truly king, as the Bible says that he is, There are some really, really important implications that that has. If this is something you don't believe or you're not sure about, can I encourage you to investigate it for yourself? Finish the Gospel of Matthew to see who Jesus is and why the implications of him being king are so important. See, the Bible explains why the world is the way it is, why it is broken. It clearly shows how we think we know it all. And not only that, it illustrates this time and time again, story after story of us, people, people in history, people today, trying to go our own way. It reveals our biggest natural flaw, 
And it also shows how vain our efforts are when everything is said and done. We need help. And when you understand that, you'll understand the best gift anyone could ever receive this Christmas and every Christmas through Jesus. Trust me, it's a gift you do not want to miss out on. And it starts with putting your trust in Jesus as King. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son. We thank you for what he did and we thank you for his life. Lord, we ask that uh, we would put our trust in you, in Jesus, and for what he has done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.